So we're in a series called Love My City, and we're spending three weeks here at the beginning of the fall to talk about what it really means to love our city, to love our communities, our neighbors in ways that will help them see Jesus. And one of the things that we said last week is that it's, it's, it's no good for us to just be a large church on Sunday mornings if we're not going to be a loving church the rest of the week. Okay, anybody agree with that? Right? So we, we get to choose what we're known for, and, and I would love it as pastor of this church. I mean, it would make me so proud if one of the things that we're known for everywhere Anytime anybody talks about our church or hears about our church or bumps into one of us, that what they would say about our church is not that, oh, they're a big church or that they do a lot of productions and, you know, all the different things that they could say about us, but that they would say, those people know how to love. Those people love others. Those people, they, they really, they, they, they know how to love. So last week we heard from uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter, writing from Rome, just before the point in history is just before Nero, I, I don't know when Nero lost it, but, but, but I mean, he totally lost it and set his city on fire. And, and Peter's writing to us really like a, maybe the same year or a year before that and uh, writes to us. And Peter was, was writing with an urgency. Um, since I've already mentioned L.D. Buckingham this morning, here, with, I haven't done this for a while, with an urgency. Oh, my word. Okay, so I do that to his face, and he loves it. And, and Peter writes, and he says, you know, most important of all, and he says, above all else, if you only hear one thing, Peter says, continue, continue, continue to show a deep love to one another, because love, Peter says, love can cover over anything. If you've ever battled um, doubt or unbelief, and I've I put my hand up, and I, I think most of us do, I think, I think that's very, very natural and, and normal um, in our humanity to, to wonder about things. But if you've ever battled doubt or unbelief, think about this for a minute. These, these names from the Bible that you hear, these are real people from real places in a real point in history, Okay? And no credible archaeologist would, would argue that, that, that these people actually existed. And if you're still not sure about that, just go to Israel. I mean, just, just, just go to Israel, and it'll change your life. But just think for a moment of how impacted these people must have been by the love of Jesus. Considering all the, the pressure that they were under and the persecution that they were enduring, I mean, we would understand it if, if, if instead of writing about love, we, we would understand it if Peter was writing about bitterness or if he was writing about revenge or, you know, if Peter's letter was all about how to hold a grudge until it rots your soul. You know, like we would say, okay, given the circumstances that you're in, then, yeah, yeah, it kind of makes sense that a guy would be writing about how to hold a grudge until it rots your soul. Or even if Peter was, was planning to escape, or if he was planning to, you know, I better get to Nero before Nero gets to me, or something like that. But, but he doesn't write that kind of stuff. See, Christianity always emerges from the ashes of persecution. 
because at its core, its core message is a message of love. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. It's, it's a message of love. Another key person in the early church who also wrote about what it means to love God and love others is a guy named James. Now again, if you're still battling with, with doubt or, or unbelief, think about this for a moment. James was the brother of Jesus, and he believed that Jesus, his brother, was God. What would you have to do to convince your siblings that you were God? James was the brother of Jesus, and he believed that his brother, who he grew up with under the same house, was God. I've tried to convince my kids that I'm Thor. <laughs> they don't believe me. But James, when Jesus said, I am the, I am the Messiah, James, was, James believed it. And he says, you know what? I've lived with you. I know you. And I'm, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to fall at your feet. I'm going to serve you. Think about it. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote a book of the Bible. It's called James. Very creative title. It's a short book. It's five chapters. You can read it this afternoon. And James writes to people who are following his brother. They're following who his brother was and what his brother said. And James encourages them and us to live as his brother lived. People who are following who his brother was and what his brother said, and he encourages them and us to live as his brother lived. But James is saying, you know, don't just attend one of his meetings. Don't just agree with his teaching and nod and say, oh, it kind of sounds good to my ear. I kind of I like that. James is encouraging people to go all in with Jesus. He's fully convinced that his brother Jesus, born of Mary, raised by Mary and Joseph, really, truly was the Son of God. And, and here's a summary on, this is the, the book of James in a, in a nutshell. James essentially says this. He says, it's what you do with what you know that makes you grow. James says it's not about, you know, attending one of his meetings. It's not about, you know, just agreeing with what you've heard and things like that. James talks about, about doing. He talks about going. And he says, look, it's, it's what you do with what you know. Like, knowing is great, and we all, need to, we all need to know, but it's what you do with what you know that makes you grow and, and makes the church grow and helps us to continually share the good news and reach people for Christ. Church attendance won't change the world. Now, I like church attendance. I'm glad you're here. And an empty seat is a serious matter. And I want, I, we'd love to see this place packed every week, many, many times over. But church attendance in itself won't change the world. Giving won't change the world. And I, I'm glad that you give. <laughs> Don't stop. Keep giving. But giving alone won't change the world. Listening won't change the world. Hearing won't change the world. Even agreeing and nodding and clapping and saying amen or Running laps around the church won't change the world. Jesus said to do unto others. Jesus said to, to go into all the world. 
So you have to get your faith in gear. God can't steer a parked car. Well, he's God. He can probably do anything. But you know what I mean? You've got to get, you've got to get your faith. We all have to get our faith in gear. So we're going to read James chapter 1, and then we're going to focus on verses 19 to 27, the last part of it. So hear the word of the Lord this morning. James, the brother of Jesus Christ, and he begins his letter by, like this. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Isn't that a good word? Oh, I thought so. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. Anybody need wisdom this morning? Isn't that great? Great word. Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He, he will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. They are, in, they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They'll fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. And in the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to them. God has promised to those who love him. Remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. You are God's prized possession. Verse 19, this is the part we're going to focus on this morning, this last part of chapter 1. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters of Moncton Wesleyan this morning. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, 
And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be righteous but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Let's go back to verse 19, put it up on the screen. And this time we've, we've highlighted these words and, and you've heard me talk about this, this text before. In fact, you've heard me say that that, that line is what you do with what you know that makes you grow. And, and I've, this, this is a brand new sermon, but I'm repeating those lines because they're like good songs and we need to hear them over again. And you've heard me share before this, this little recipe that, that James packs into this verse. And he says, Un- understand this, my, my dear friends and brothers and sisters. We must all be quick, slow, slow. Quick, slow, slow. We must be Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Look at the person beside you and say, that was for you. That, 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 he, he's preaching right at you right now. That, that is totally you. <laughs> James, James is going, he's going to talk about doing. But be ta- before he gets to the doing, he's, he's going to talk about listening and he's going to talk about loving and he's going to talk about how we're living in other words James says in in a minute in a minute I'm going to tell you that that we all need to go but before before we go we need to grow we need to grow before we go we need to work on our on our heart condition and on our lives and on our on our on our relationships the best way to serve others is from a right relationship with others and a clean heart before God. And so James says, listen, 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 before we go, we got, we got to work on our patience. We got to be, we got to be quick to listen and slow to, slow to anger. We got to calm down. We got to be slower to, to react towards others and responding towards others. We need to be slow to speak. James talks about taking out the garbage in our lives and getting rid of the, the filth and the evil, and we've got to be humble, and we've got to receive God's word deep into our lives. We've got to let God's word uh, be rooted and take deep roots into our lives, be planted deeply in your heart, because James says the word of God is the power to save our souls. And so James, James wants you to, he doesn't want you to just know about Jesus. He doesn't want you to just kind of uh, be, be attending meetings that talk about Jesus. He wants us to be living like his brother Jesus. James doesn't want us to be hypocrites. He wants the condition of your heart and the actions of your life to reflect what you believe in the God you worship. We're going to say that again. James wants the condition of your heart in the actions of your life to reflect what you believe in the God that you worship, Jesus Christ. If you skip, if we skip verses 19, 20, and 21, and you just go straight to the, the going and the doing part in verse 22, James says you're not fooling everyone, anyone. He says you gotta, we got to work on ourselves and then go. We need to grow first, grow spiritually get things right with Christ and then we're going to go and then we're going to reflect Jesus Christ to a world that so desperately 
needs him. We're going to talk about this more in our, our next series that's coming up. Anybody remember the title of the next series? I told you a couple weeks ago, My Bad Church Experience. That's coming up. Isn't that going to be fun? Hey, talk about uh, people inviting people to experience and follow Jesus. We all, everybody knows someone who's had a bad church experience. And you can say, they're doing a series just for you. This is just for you. And, and, and we're going to have fun with it. Like we're, you know, you invite your friends and uh, I'll only make them um, reasonably uncomfortable. Okay? Or I'll offend everybody in the room and then it'll all be even. How's that? No, we'll, <laughs> we'll have some fun with it. I'm looking forward to this series. But I'm always a little amused when, when someone says they don't go to church because of the hypocrites. Hypocrites got to go to church. <laughs> or if they're saying, like, like, the church is full of messed up people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Say it again, Shirley. I didn't catch you. <laughs> yeah, come and join us, right? Like, like yeah, like it's full. <laughs> Well, what do you want? The you want us to say, no more hypocrites can't come to church. Like, a hypocrite's got to go to church. A hypocrite needs Jesus. Yes, they need Jesus. They have to keep coming to church and keep hearing God's word. And hopefully one day they will fully surrender to the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus' love will fill them. The Holy Spirit will fill them. They'll be radically transformed. And they'll say, I used to live that way, but I don't live that way anymore. That's the old me. This is the new me. I mean, if you don't like hypocrites, how do you, you can't even leave home. Where are you going to go? You can't go to the coffee shop. You can't go to the grocery store. You can't go to the restaurant. Uh, anyhow, that's all next month. That's all October. That's going to be fun. We're looking forward to that. We can't just be a growing church. And James talks a lot about spiritual growth. A great little book with only five chapters. Read it this afternoon. He talks a lot about spiritual growth. We can't just be a, a growing church numerically. We need to be a going church. We can't just be a growing church we need, Moncton Wesleyan, we need, we need to be a going church. We can't just talk about what Christians do. We have to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And when you hear us talk, like when Graham gets up here, Pastor Graham and others, and they're eating pie, and they're talking about taking these cards and, and going to your neighbors. I mean, when we did that for Easter, I met neighbors I'd never met before. I had great conversations I'd never had before. And we literally had people come through our doors because of those, because of those cards. So when we talk about, about, about getting involved and, and, and being a part of this, I mean, one of the reasons I'm so excited about our church right now and this season is because of all of the, the outreach and opportunities that we have in our church. When you hear these things, you can't just think, well, I hope somebody does that, or I'm glad somebody's doing that. you got to think, God, help me. Help me get involved. I need to be doing this sort of thing. And I'm so excited about all the outreach and missions opportunities. Pastor Graham and Jen Adams, I mean, what, they're they're, they're it's, they've got incredible stuff happening for us, and Tapper's got great things happening, and there's great things happening in children's ministry and youth ministry, and there's just so many ways to get involved here to make a difference. We have ways for every single person in this church to grow and go. There are ways. There are enough ways. 
for all of us to do this. There are dozens and dozens of ways for you to grow and go at Moncton Wesleyan. Verse 20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. This is not shocking. This is not shocking. In other words, if, if we could frame this a little different way, we could say there is a righteousness that God wants to produce in us, and human anger is not, <laughs> ain't it. And, and it's never going to be, and it's not going to get you there. There is a righteousness that God wants to produce in you, in me. There is a produce that God wants to produce in your life. And James tells us how to experience it. Apparently, when he was writing this letter, these, these new followers of Jesus were, were trying to grow spiritually, but one of the issues in their lives that they, that they were battling was anger. And, and God is holy, and James knows this. And in, in God's holiness, God wants to uproot all of the, the bitter pieces of your former life. Anything that is in your life that is not pleasing to God, that is not helping you to produce righteousness, that is maybe blocking the righteousness that God wants to produce in your life, anything that's there, James is saying there's a holy God who loves you so much that he doesn't want any of that junk in your life. He wants to rid you of all filth. And he, he wants to uproot anger and stuff like that. And he, he wants to, to get it out of your life. He wants to Romans 12 you, to transform you by the renewing of your mind. And, and church, if we hold on to things like anger and wrath and judgment and bitterness, you will never, ever produce the kind of righteousness that God desires for your life. You never will. You never will. Verse 21. So, James says, he's going to tell us, how, how do we do this? He's going to tell us, get rid of all the filth, not just anger. Get rid of all the filth and all the evil in your lives. And just humbly accept the word, the word that God has planted in your hearts. Because it has the power to save your souls. James is like a, it's like a pharmacist. It's like he's just writing it out. It's like, here, take this. This will make you better. This is what you need to do. You need to, you need to get rid of all this, and then you need to accept this. And if you, if you get rid of that and you accept this, it's, it's got the power to save our souls. When, when James says, get rid of all the filth and evil, in your lives, what he really means is get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. If you break it down to the original Greek, what it really means is get rid of all the filth and evil in our lives. And, and this is the kind of verse that, I mean, this, this, this does not go down like honey. This, this is the kind of verse that you just want to deflect, you just want it to, whoo, go right over me. You know, I'm, I'm just going to skip this one. I'm going to take a pass. I'll, I'll pick the sermon up here in a couple of minutes. This is when people start stacking bricks, you know, or they think it's for someone else. Come on, preacher. Let them go. Come on, preacher. Get, you know, they, they, think, they don't think it's for them. They think it's for someone else. 
What could happen in our church? What could happen in Moncton Wesleyan if all of us, all of us, every single one of us who are here got rid of all the filth and evil in our lives? What could happen in our church? What could happen in our city, in our community, in our homes, in our relationships, in our families, if all of us, all in, got rid of all filth and evil in our lives, and we pursued the holiness of God with every minute of our day, every minute of our day, that's, that's radical. Yeah, it is. It's actually God's desire. It's God's best plan for your life to pursue him and his holiness with every minute of every day. What difference could we make in our city and our communities if we corporately brought forward every unholy thing in our lives and placed it at the cross? Of Jesus Christ. Not so that we're better than others. Not so that we're some, you know, weird bunch. So that we're, but so that we're clean and we're accepted before God. We're set apart. If a friend asks you if you've seen such and such a, a movie, and you know, you wouldn't take Jesus to that movie. Or your grandmother. The granny test. You wouldn't take your grandmother, don't go. And you say, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm watching what I'm watching right now. And they're puzzled. And you, you might reply with something like this. You can come up with your own. But, hey, I'm not saying that you shouldn't see that movie. I'm just saying for me right now, I'm in a, I'm in a season of growth with God. And, and I'm just choosing what I watch and what I don't watch. It's kind of like a diet. I mean, you might find a better way to say it. And I'm not going to stand here and try to, try to name all the things that I think are, are, are filth and, and evil here this morning. Um, if you're not sure about something, just text me. And I'll, I'll, I'll no, I'm teasing. That was a joke. Pastor Tim, I'm, I don't know. Should I do this? No, I'm, I'm joking. Just picking on movies here for a minute because I think, I think we call a lot of things entertainment that are not helpful for our spiritual lives. Um, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying you can't go to movies. But, but don't filter a, a movie by its ratings or its popularity. Filter it by the word of God. You still love me? All right. Just picking on that one. The imagery of James' words, when, 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 when they heard this, the, the imagery that, that, uh, that we think it, it probably conjured up with his audience was the idea of, of, when he said get rid of all filth, was the idea of taking off soiled garments and changing your clothes and putting on fresh clothes clean clothes. One of my uh, t-shirts the other day I was getting ready to put on and it was laying in a way that the, 
the wash instructions. The, ta- the tag was flipped up so I could see. And men always read the, the washing instructions anyhow. I mean, it's, I mean, you do that before you buy it, right? So that you know, you know. Anyhow, the wash instructions were flipped up on this T-shirt and it caught my eye and so I read it. It was three words. There were no symbols. Symbols that men can't understand anyhow. Those symbols aren't helpful to men, by the way. But anyhow, it was three words, and this is what the backside of the tag of my t-shirt said. Wash when dirty. <laughs> now, now, that's a man's t-shirt. That's clear. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can do that. I can understand that. Wash when dirty. And it's true for us, isn't it? It's true for us. That's the symbol of, of baptism, but we need to be baptized every day. Wash when dirty. Don't, don't get comfortable with your dirt. Don't adjust your personal tolerance for filth beyond the Bible's parameters just to ease your own conscience. Say that one again. Don't adjust your personal tolerance for filth beyond the Bible's parameters just to ease your own conscience. All right, getting off of that. Um, James is staying on this theme of who you are has to match who you serve. Okay? Does the way you are living line up with the God you are serving? And, and he says, humbly accept the word. Whoa, back, 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 whoa, don't look at that. Back, back, back. He says, great job up there, Hunter. Can we all thank Hunter and appreciate him for, for his work up there? Okay, humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart. Okay, Hunter, now we can do it. Let's go, boy. Okay, so humbly accept the word and, and the opposite of humble, I'm going to say, is proud. I thought of a few other words, but proud was the nicest one I could put up there. I thought, I thought the opposite of, of humbly accepting God's word could be, could be stubborn. It could be obstinate. Um, there's, there's, you know, a whole bunch of things. We're going to call it proud. And, and so James says, humbly accept God's word. So if we're, if we're humbly accepting then we're, what's most important to us is God's way. And if we're not humbly accepting, uh, what we're interested in, in is my way. I'm going to do it my way. And, um, and a lot of people live that way. Or God's will. What is God's will for my life? And humbly accepting his word so that I can know his will. Or my will. I... I, that's what I'm going to do. I just, that's what I want to do, and uh, I'm going to do it no matter what. The difference between listening, inviting God's word to speak into our lives, rather than I've made up my mind, and uh, I'm going to do what I want to do. The difference between following and running away from God or running ahead of God. The difference between being quick to repent you know, if you've humbly 
invited God's word to take deep root into your life, sin will bother you deeply and you'll be quick to repent versus quick to ignore. Slow to anger versus someone who is constantly agitated and will make better decisions versus, hey, it's my life and it's my money and it's my time and I will do what I want to. Okay, back to verse 21. Again, I just want to point out this word power here for a minute. It's very similar to our word dynamo. The Greek word for power is very similar to the word that we use for dynamite. And we took the word and applied it to an explosive set of chemicals ignited by fire. There is, the fire is the Holy Spirit. God's word is packed full of explosives. So, so when James says it has the, it has the dynamite, it has the, the gunpowder. It has the, the right mix of chemicals to be explosive. God's word can be explosive in our lives. You put the power of God's word together with the fire of the Holy Spirit. Get ready for your spiritual life to go boom. Right? God, God can just do explosive things to take off like a rocket. And James knows, the brother of Jesus knows of the, the dynamo, the explosive power of God's word to, to go deep into our lives and root out all the evil and all the, all the filth and sin and junk and garbage in our lives. And, and it can power wash our souls. It can leave us clean, washed, pure, righteous, spirit-filled, fired-up, dynamic, explosive servants of the Most High God, ready to go out into the world and, and love the world for Jesus, not as people who are hypocrites and lead two different lives or double lives, but to go out into the world as, as humble, repentant, forgiven receivers of grace, not as people who think that we are better than others, but as people who recognize that we desperately need God's grace in our lives and God's mercy on a daily basis. We need God's power to lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from evil, to give us strength when we are weak, to make us overcomers, helping us to be a people who are inviting people to experience and follow Jesus Christ. And James knows... James knows that there's, there's a beauty and an attraction to Jesus. He knows that, that, that this, his brother, there's a beauty and there's an attraction. And it's seen in, when, when people like us um, in our victories over evil, and other people see that, and they just see God's power at work in our lives, God's grace, God's forgiveness, and they see it in the way that we love others. Okay, verse 22. That here, this is where we get to it's what you do with what you know that makes you grow. And James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're a hypocrite. You're only fooling yourself. James says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Knowing without doing is like, it's like cooking without eating. 
Knowing without doing is like cooking without eating. Dennis Prescott is out back. Dennis was playing lead guitar here on, this, on the stage this morning. Dennis is amazing in a, in a whole bunch of different ways. Dennis has about, I don't know, seven billion followers on Instagram because of his cooking ability, his food ability. He's just, it's, it's amazing. Well, following Dennis on Instagram, researching all the foods and all the nutrition, even learning how to grow some of those things and where they come from and how they are sourced. You know, if you do all that, but you don't actually eat it, you don't actually consume it, it can't help you. And James is balanced here, and he says it can't be, it can't be all no and no grow, and it can't be all grow and no go. You following that? Because I'm not sure I am, so I'll say it again. It can't be all no. We all, wanna, we all want to, to learn, but it can't be all no and no grow. And it can't be all grow and no go. You've got to know Jesus deeply, love Jesus intensely, serve Jesus continually. You see, most of us know more than we go, and that's why we don't grow. There's a lot of O's to follow in there. Most of us know more than we go, and that's why we don't grow. And his writing, James' writing, is just, it's just, it's just vivid. It's full of practical imagery. It says, get God's word planted. Go deep. Get rooted. Get rid of the filth. Be washed. And then... In verses 23, 24, and 25, he makes, it, he makes it even clearer. And he compares it to looking into a shined piece of reflective metal. Or like looking at your face in a pool. James is talking about a mirror. And, and he's talking about change and doing what needs to be done. He's talking about someone who sees things that they, they know, they, they know those things need to be changed. They know what needs to be done, what needs to be made right, but they don't do it. Maybe he's talking about someone who looks into a, a shined piece of metal or looks into a pool of water first thing in the morning. Some Sunday, what we'll do, just to have fun with this, is, is we'll all come to church the way we woke up. <laughs> Would there be anybody here? I mean, I had to work hard on this hair this morning. Actually, I shaved my beard off, and Kayla was like, I knew you must have been, you know, something was taking you a long time in there this morning. You would never come to church the way you rolled out of bed. And, and James is saying, if you see something in your life that needs to, needs to be changed by the power of God's word, then change it. He's saying, get the broccoli out of your teeth. Get the sleep out of your eyes. Straighten your hair. Shave the chia pets out of your ears. <laughs> if you, if you, <laughs> if you see something that needs to be changed to properly reflect the word of God in your life, to be a better representation of Jesus, James says, do it. Don't, don't be satisfied with as is. Go deeper. Go deeper. Gang, friends, Moncton I love you this morning. This is, this is powerful stuff. 
If you hear this this morning, God's word, if you hear this this morning, if you look into this book like a mirror, you allow this book to, to reflect and inspect your soul, you allow the Holy Spirit to, to look deeply into your life, if you hear this this morning, but it has no effect on us. James says it's like going out the door with toilet paper stuck to your shoe. Like if you see something that needs to be changed, he says, come on, come on, let's get real before God. Let's make those changes. This word, God's word, it has the power to radically transform your life. You can be changed. You can leave here this morning radically transformed by the power and the presence of Jesus Christ. Last week, we finished with Peter telling believers to cheerfully open their homes and share their meals. Remember that? Made a quick word about Syrian refugees. Peter says, Peter says, if you're a follower of Christ, open your home, open your fridge, your cupboards, cheerfully serve those. Look at what James says in verse 27. Let's, let's put that up. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. It's what you do with what you know. James knows the heart of his brother Jesus. He knows, don't you bust your guitar. James knows the heart of his brother Jesus. He knows how Jesus would boil it all down. It's not complicated. This is not complicated. This doesn't require a PhD in theology. Just care. Just care. Care for those who have less. Love those who need help. If someone is hurting, step in. That's Pure religion, James says. There's no hypocrisy there. And the world simply cannot argue with followers of Jesus who will do what Jesus did. And they will reflect that. And they will just go and love and care and serve those who are in their distress. James says, and. And he says, oh yeah, one more thing. He says, oh yeah, and. Refuse. Refuse to let the world corrupt you. I'm tired of the world changing us. It's time for us to change the world. Let's pray together. Lord, you're speaking to some right now about about filth and evil and garbage in their lives. Your Holy Spirit is speaking to them right now. And I pray, God, that you would give them the courage to invite your word, your spirit, to go to the very deepest places of their soul and rip out the roots of that stuff and set them free today in Jesus' name that they might leave here transformed and be able to properly share the love of Jesus to a hurting world that needs 
God, I pray that you would help these folks to not see this surrender as a sign of weakness, but as a sign of strength. In a moment, we're going to give people the opportunity to come forward and pray about this. And again, God, I pray that you would help them to come forward boldly, not as an indication, like we all, we all have stuff, so we're all the same, but just to come boldly before the cross and say, Jesus, take it all. Forgive me, set me free, break the chains, shower me in your love and your grace, power wash my soul. Lord, for others here this morning, maybe we need maybe we need God to recommit to going and doing and serving. Maybe we've been on the benches cheering on others as they serve and go. Maybe there's folks here who it's been a long time since they've been involved in, in what you're doing. Maybe for some, it's attending a group. Maybe for others, it's signing up to help out with an outreach. Maybe for some, it's pretty bold to take a stack of those cards and go door to door in their neighborhood. God help us. And then, Lord, for others, there might be some here this morning who realize they don't have a relationship with you. And their prayer today would be, Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. And I will follow you and serve you with the rest of my life. So be with us now.